A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Alrighty, y'all. Welcome to the Poor Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D, the Dead Poor Hitter. Thanks for checking out another episode of the pod. Really appreciate everyone who signed up for the Patreon and continue to support my work and leave ratings and review. Truly appreciate everyone for doing that. Today's guest is Mr. Randy Haynes. You might have seen him on Friends with Fantasy Benefits, uh, podcasting and doing some work over there. He's really fantastic dude, good fantasy baseball player. He's currently residing in the top 50 years of the online championship overall over on the NFBC. And we sat down to talk a whole bunch of things, fantasy baseball, um, you know, how my usual intro is, how he got into it, all that fun stuff, and talking about the prep work that went into the online championship and auction league this year and some of the in-season stuff too, like kind of holding on to, not holding on to auto stock guys, but kind of bypassing recent production from players when making starts at decisions when we really should maybe focus on that a little bit more th- than what ahead as well so yeah we get into all stuff like that and a whole bunch of other fun stuff so hope everyone enjoys the podcast and um if your teams aren't doing so well this year in fantasy and you want to get involved with some other fantasy baseball you could still draft on underdog fantasy right now to have the seventh inning stretch that's running until july 14th and it's it's really fast, it's easy, and you can get back into the action, maybe guide a different team to the championship. They have overall prizes there as well. It's the best ball format, so you just got to draft your team, and that's it. No waivers, no trades, no in-season management, no fab. You draft 20 players, you get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup for three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex. It doesn't matter how many outfielders and such you draft. You could draft eight, you could draft four. Whatever you want to do, it takes like 25 minutes to draft a team. It's so quick and simple. You can draft from your phone anywhere you want. You can import projections, um, your rankings off of a projection system or however you want to do your rankings. You can order it into a a CSV and put it right into Underdog Fantasy app and boom, it's right there instead of the current ADP 
really simple. Um, and getting started is, is super simple. Just go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with my promo code, pull hitter, and underdog doubles your initial deposit up to 100 bucks. The, the seventh inning stretch, 150K in total prize. It's only seven bucks to enter. So head over to underdog with my promo code, pull hitter, and get that first deposit doubled. And if you want to draft with me, let me know on Twitter or email, and um, we'll get into a draft together and see who can be the best fantasy baseballer. Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to the Poll Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro. I'm here back at with another episode. And today I got a special guest, Mr. Randy Haynes. I met Randy in person after knowing him on Twitter for several years. He's part of the Discord and the Poll Hitter Patreon community. And we met up at the Baltimore Oriole game. Like, crazy because we had made a plan to do the podcast before that day. And then I saw you on last Thursday. I think it was last Thursday, right? Randy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was uh, fun getting to meet you and getting to meet you in person last week at the game. It was a great game too. Beautiful weather. Orioles won. Yeah. So got got to see uh, Tyler Wells beast out. Yes, Tyler Wells is uh, really good in person. The Blue Jays stung a whole bunch of balls, but um, what a really good young team that Oriole team is. It's really so much fun. I'm so jealous of the Oriole nation over there. It was, I, I fully was sucked into it. You know, I was uh, immediately ready to abandon the New York Met ship and uh, get a couple of Oriole hats, you know? And I yeah, actually I went to go just... and buy like a, a, what do you call them? A jersey. Um, yeah. I was like, I'm going to get a gunner jersey. But then I was like, these things are fifty-four fucking dollars. Well, it's, funny you, it's funny you mentioned you wanted to buy a gunner jersey. So I went to that game. My cousin was visiting from Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 16, 17, something like that. And he was like, I re- he's, he's in a sports, but he didn't really know a lot about the Oreos. He's like, I really want to buy a Jersey, but I don't want to have like, you know how it is like in high school, you want to have like a cool Jersey. You want to have like the one everybody else has. Not mm-hmm. that I don't know how many Orioles jerseys are out in Montana, but he's like, who's like really good, but not the most popular player. I'm like, I was like, I like Gunnar Henderson. I think he's going to be around a while. So he just boom, whipped out his card, authentic Gunnar Henderson, Gunnar Henderson Jersey on the plane back into Montana. So. Nice. That's a nice <laughs> solid move right there. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's an official move right there. I yeah, I I chickened out. I saw that. Um I almost walked out with one of those big chains instead, you know. Oh, the home the, run uh, chain, yeah. That the, the home run chain, that yeah. would have been cool. My wife would have completely loved that. Um <laughs> seeing you go that with thing. those giveaway sunglasses too, you really would have been looking good. She never would have touched you again. <laughs> I I I sent her some pictures as my day was going and she goes, what are you wearing on your face? And I didn't really realize it at first because I walked in, I was excited. I'm like, look at these things, you know, they're huge. And that's when I looked back at the picture and I was like, I realized how stupid it looked on my face. And I was like, Oh my God. I think, I think it was actually maybe in the picture with you. Um, maybe yeah, I was I wearing you, those ridiculous yeah, I things. I'm like, Oh God. Uh, and I told my brother, why didn't you tell me, you know, why didn't you tell me this looks, ridiculous on my face um all i know is that it was it was keeping this you know it was it was keeping my eyes healthy yeah, they were so. they were clear they just look <laughs> <Yeah>. ridiculous <laughs> yeah. absolutely absolutely all right so randy um let's get into some fantasy baseball talk tell me how you got into fantasy baseball why you love it and when you got into the nfbc and all that fun stuff yeah so how i got into f- fantasy was i think it's kind of the same for a lot of people i just you know i always loved i always loved sports i always loved baseball um you know, as a little kid, you know, collecting baseball cards, you know, you play play video games, you want to manage the team, always do like the franchise mode, do all that stuff. 
Ooh, what's, uh, your, uh, just... what's the favorite baseball video game? Uh, MVP 04 is the best. The one with Manny on the cover. Is that 03 or 04? That was the best one. Ooh, yeah. I forgot what year that was. Yeah, well, they yeah, had Pool Hulse a... and Manny. Pool Hulse and Manny were back-to-back years. I can't remember which was which was which year, but those two were like... And then that I think the year after that would have been when uh, when Sony bought the, the the rights to only be the only MLB game, and they they had the show. And, and the show's great, and like it's probably more nostalgia than anything. If I played uh, if I played MVP 04 right now, I'd probably be like, I used to you know spend hours at a time playing this, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, those, yeah are, those I, are the good old days when when we can just you know play yeah. play some uh, and and yeah that was like the whole the whole EA franchise kind of like kind of crumbled. I felt like at one point right Cause they were just at the peak. I just remember it was like EA everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was. Yeah. A, I I said I remember it being a great game anyway. Like I said, if I yeah. got to play it now, one of those simulators. I don't know how great it would be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I can remember exactly where it was the first time I played. Uh, a fantasy a fantasy sport um my still one of my best friends to this day but my oldest friend uh shout out to nick barry called me on my parents house phone uh, i was like 13 ish or so somewhere around there 12 like that and he's like all right go to this website i sent I emailed you the link we're gonna play fantasy basketball it was the first thing we did so i had to hang up the phone switch the phone jacks in the wall you know for yes. dial up internet <laughs> log in played that that led to football that led to baseball um and it's just got hooked ever since when i got the big thing though was when i first tried roto was probably 20 like 10 ish i want to say 2009 maybe uh, another good friend of mine worked with a guy who had a home league they've been going for a while they had two openings i never played roto the only thing i had done was with i was still playing but it was like your head-to-head some sometimes it was categories sometimes it was points but never done roto um and I got my ass handed to me that first year, but it was like, once I kind of like got it, I think you told the story too. Um, something similar when you like kind of really got into Roto, like, Oh, if I do this, I can do that. I can gain these category points. Like I shouldn't even be worrying about this category, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's what, that's what freaking did it for me. Um, and then I, I'm, you know, like a lot of people, you know, you get more into it, get more serious. Um, started listening to like podcasts got really big then, you know, a handful of years later, Twitter, Found out at the NFBC. I think I joined a couple of uh, like the the I guess the fifties and maybe a couple of DCs in twenty like I have to pull up my history really quick. I think it was like 2016, 2017, just to like kind of mess around. And then I really in the last couple of years have started to to play more into Fab leagues, auctions, OCs, all that stuff. But just kind of kind of gradually worked in. I won a couple of the of the fifty dollar DCs. Um, kind of just build my own bankroll, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, go that route but that that's how i got that's how i got into it just kind of slowly i don't play fantasy basketball anymore i don't do um like the nffc or anything i have my couple home football leagues that are that are fun great we get together for a live auction everybody flies in for it and stuff but uh um, i mean roto's just i mean that's it's it's i mean you know it is it's everything man it really is it's um and i still like my head-to-head leagues because i feel like it is a cool little break from things and to see this little pocket of games, you know, you have your one week game, but then I get reminded of like, man, like I shouldn't lose all these stats that I just got, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I, I should... <laughs> the, home, the, the home Roto league that I got in that got me hooked. I'm no longer in that, but I'm still in a, a home league. It's a head to head, you know, Roto categories. It's, it's head to head five by five on each side. Um, and and it's a lot of fun. It gets you 
it gets you thinking like a little bit different, like sun, you know, Sunday rolls around. You're like, if I do, you just need strikeouts. I'm like, all right, which, you know, piece of crap pitcher is scheduled to pitch today. I got to pick him up and throw him in there to hope he gets like two strikeouts. Yeah. So you can win yeah. your matchup, but, right. um, but outside of that, I mean, it's a lot of, it's nice that I'm not like, I don't know how some people go from, you know, playing a bunch of Roto, but then they're also playing a bunch of like, head to head points leagues and stuff or just points leagues in general. It's just completely, I know the uh, cut line, their, their point system is kind of like supposed to mirror Roto a little bit, but man, even that would just be that, that would be tough for me. I'm not, I guess I'm not smart enough to bounce back and forth like that. I tried, you know, I try as much as I can to do different formats. I do feel like there's different ways to maximize each league and, and get some kind of, um value from it you know by looking at the different sides of the player pool by shrinking it by going up the point conversion is is cool the two-time fab in the cut line is also like a cool feature i just um you know i'm just uh it's just all for the overall too so it's Mm -hmm. like a different kind of style of play and it's fun i definitely don't knock it it's just not my my uh yeah i know like it seems like everyone that's done it loves it i just mm -hmm. and maybe i should try a cut line one year i know i did the the raz uh slam a couple of times um and and i I said it was fine but i just looked that as like okay here's basically just like uh i'm just just gonna treat this like it's a fab league you know like a regular roto fab league and i'm gonna just use that as almost like draft prep um but maybe if i like actually like did projections or whatever for cut line you know that maybe would be a little different but yeah, it's um, it's fun, you know. The one thing that really blows my mind is like actually not blows my mind, but fucks with my head is when, you know, sometimes you have to think about holding a player back and head to head, like on a Sunday, mm-hmm. like I, you know, I'm not and, throwing and, a pitcher, yeah, yeah, and that just breaks my brain because of how much you know we're stressing like volume, volume, and you're always trying to get all these extra yeah. at bats and plate appearances and strikeouts and a half of a save. <laughs> these random things and you know and 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 then you get the sunday like nah i'm not gonna throw this picture you know because yeah i'm not gonna throw you know garrett cole against the royals because if by chance he gives up you know one run i'm gonna lose era or something so. i'm so bad with that too because i don't i don't do it enough you know i'm i'm always too proud and i'm like now nah, i'm gonna beat you with this guy too like i'm gonna throw <laughs> this picture who cares if he blows up you can't you be know? too and, proud for anything rob you can't uh, never be too proud Take the oh, wins man. when you can get them. A- ain't too proud. Habeg, right? That was a song <laughs> by TLC. Um, shit. That's yeah. <laughs> back a long time ago. <laughs> oh, shit. So, all right. So what kind of leagues are you playing in this, in this year? I know you mentioned to me a couple of online championships, right? Yeah, I'm in two, uh, two OCs. Um, I have an auction, uh, auction championship team. I have a satellite, uh, 12-team satellite that I'm actually doing with uh, a good friend of mine um shout out to alvi he's uh trying to get in the nmpc he was in that um that home league forever uh the roto one that i was telling you about that we we left because there were some there were some things going on in there we, did, we didn't really care for but he's trying to get into that this year so he's doing that with me and then he has a solo oc um of his own and then i am in the uh darf which is part of the earth leagues uh, which is 15 team uh, roto it's got a small overall we didn't get uh together live this year for the draft which was a little bit of a bummer we did that last year we did the first i don't know i forget now maybe 10 12 rounds live in person but we nice. set it up we did it as a one hour pick clock like it was a slow draft so we kind of instead of like a minute or two minutes or whatever so we kind of look up and it's like we've been here for for three and a half hours and we have like eight rounds done 
and everybody's still <laughs> gonna drive home. So, um, but th- but now that, that's a fun league. There's a lot, a lot of cool people in that as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, five five fab leagues, couple DCs, some gladiators that are, are terrible. Um, but the DCs are <laughs> hanging strong. So that's good that's good now, i see you i see you in first in one in in one oc and um in mm-hmm. another one you're fourth behind uh a couple of yeah that's players, Dan, Cleason, yeah that's yes. one that's where i'm bad. in fourth has been those top four teams including myself have been like so tight. one day yeah it's like uh let me pull it up right now it's like yeah, between 80, like yeah, 87 and a half 85 yeah. and a half and 84 yeah. yeah it's been like that for a at least a solid month, those four teams. And then you see, obviously, Posma is one of them. Um, he's been next. Th- I'd say him and I have probably spent the most time in first. Not that, not that we're going to get a, an award for that or anything, spending the most days in first. But <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a tough week. The Mets, and I the Mets still- never got anything for it and they always like lose it in the end. So it's, it's, uh, you want to close it out. That's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. As long as I'm first on the October 2nd or whatever it is that it ends this year, but yeah, it's a tough one. I had about a month ago, both of my teams from the top 100 um, in the OC, but this, like I said, this other one's starting to starting to fade a little bit. The auction team is not, not doing the greatest, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in there. I'm in fourth. Um, Just really need to find some steals, man. Like uh, we will talk about that later, but I've, I've got steals nailed on every single team except for one. And if I can just get steals, I would be I'd be very very competitive at the top of that league. But I'll t- I'll take I'll take fourth and you know I'm no lower in fourth no lower than fourth in any of my uh my fab leagues in mid June. So that's I'll awesome. Take that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know what I'm 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 really I'm always into that. Like I feel like if if I just have a whole bunch of leagues scattered at twos and threes and fours, like. I just don't want to see 12s and 13s. Those really drive me nuts. They really get yeah. under my skin. Um, I can, I, I can, you know, cash in 70% of my league, but the 15 or the 14 ranked team, yeah. is just going to drive me nuts. And I'll, yeah, that's the one you'll, that's the one you'll remember. <sighs> and I don't know why the brain works like that, but it just does. I just want to like enjoy good things and, you know, but I guess it's just part of like, I don't want to rest on like, you know, okay, I'm doing good on the team. So, but yeah. it's just it, it always sticks yeah. out. But yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, we're right next to each other in the OC overall. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. See a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of meatball mafia people in here. It's, uh, it's good to see some similar names. Um, so I'm looking at your roster right here, and just I guess let's get into some of the like draft prep and roster mm-hmm. construction strategy. How how you approach drafting in these? Um, I guess we'll start off with the OCs and like you know what's your strategy you know, when it comes to 12 team leagues and, um, and we'll get into some in season management later, but just how, how did these teams come about for you this year? Yeah, which, which team are you looking at? The, um, I'm one? looking at, yeah, yep. Yeah. The one okay. that you're in first in. Yeah. yeah. That's the one I actually drafted first. And when both of my, well, when all of my drafts um, were completed, I kind of looked at it and I was like, I, I kind of don't love this team. I like the, I like the other OC team more. Um, but this was one where I kind of, you know, once you get your KDS, you, you know, you start to look at things a certain way. And I really liked the idea and I was able to do this in this league. And I was able to do this in the satellite that I mentioned, um, was pairing at the you know, kind of near the turn. was pairing Bobby Witt and Freddie Freeman. I just, I <clears> felt <throat> like if I wasn't going to go with a pitcher, I felt like those two complemented each other almost, almost perfectly. Cause Freddie's so just so consistent batting average runs scored, you know, going to have the RBIs. And if there's any knock on wit, I mean, people are going to knock his OBP, but like he was, you know, he was a rookie, like even with a bad OBP, he was still 
20 something overall in the player Raider last year. So I, I was excited to draft with, but I felt like with the Royals lineup and just things that could maybe happen, you know, there and they have happened this year as bad as that team is, he might be down a little bit in the runs and RBI. So I felt like they kind of paired really well together. Um, and I was able to hit on some pitchers, you know, that I really like, I mean, I know it hasn't been the easiest go for Aaron Nolley pitched very well today. Um, I, I think it's going to be there. I mean, the, he's always really good in whip. I mean, I know everybody hates his ERA, but whip whip counts just the same. I mean, he's always, yes, it whip, does. always, you know, he's always been a whip asset. The K's are there. He's got, I mean, what is it like today? Like 12 or 13 consecutive starts of six or more innings. I mean, that's just, he, he's just a horse. It's not the sexy, it's not the sexiest pick. And he does. I mean, it does. If you're, watching him and he's cruising along and he has that one inning where it's like oh bloop single here then he walks a guy he usually walks like the nine hitter and you're like what the hell are you doing and then that's when he gives up the three-run bomb um so he's maybe not the best guy to to (laughs) live and die with for every pitch but i'll be happy with where he's at the end of the year and then gallon ryan uh big fans of them and then drew rasmussen was actually the player i had um, the most fab shares of, unfortunately. Um, but I, f- I feel, you know, I feel like I got, got a little bit of value there. I was able to hit on some guys with fab, um, fab saves is what's holding this team back in the overall. I, I have, see, I was just going to ask yeah, you that. Yeah. I have, you know, Bautista, that was every team that I have, um, fab wise, I have a save saves anchor, however you want to look at it. I know we're going to talk about how we wanted to go through closers and stuff, but I have him and I just haven't really been able to hit anything else. Like, the Michael Fulmer over Carlos Estevez when he was like, when Estevez was like at his peak of like not being able to throw strikes in spring training. And it's like, Oh, this guy's a dud. Um, and Michael <laughs> Fulmer was looking pretty good. That, that pick ended up haunting me. I spent big on fab and Liam Hendricks. Um, he wasn't drafted in this league. So I was kind of like kind of saving the fab for him. And that maybe not have been the best, been the best thing to do, but I've just been going through like Chafin, Gallegos. I just can't get that second closer. So we'll keep grinding. We still got three and a half more months ago, but that's kind of kind of the big thing with this team, though. Um, it's gonna yeah. be saves. It's tough in the OCs with saves, not like in actually getting them this year. You know, I think it's been a little harder because it's been less. It has been big, yeah. You know, less yeah. big movement, and I've noticed too that most people are holding on to like fringy guys or maybe mm-hmm. you know anyone that's kind of up in the air it's not really much movement you get like the guy who got the most saves in the last week will pop up in the in your free agent pool but um most part people are holding and there's not much turnover at the save spot and yeah there really hasn't been that guy that comes along that you can just get like seven in two you know in two weeks and then he loses his job to you know to the guy who was the closer. Um, they just haven't been popping up in the OCs like that. And I, it's, yeah, basically it's just really... been Pierce Johnson. I mean, for the guy right. like that, like you're saying, mm-hmm. where he got, has it for a couple of weeks and, and then loses it. Um, there hasn't, there hasn't been a lot of that. Now in this league, there's a couple of guys I'm targeting possibly this weekend, but none of them are going to be, you know, instant, uh, instant solutions or anything. So, yeah. And it's tough in the 12 because you, you know, you got to be careful. You can't really go out and, and, start too much of the you know 50 50 guys or you know a guy who might get an ancillary save you can't do it every week you could pop them in there every once in a while but if you're like hanging on to 
you know, too many of the what if guys, then it's just going to fall behind in case like in a 15 team league, you can do that and, and, and get away and, and chip away at ratios. And, but in a 12 team, you'll just all of a sudden look up and be like, Oh, um, K's are very far away right now. And, you know, you can't, you can't lose ground in that. What, what was your, um, when did you draft these pitchers? You Nola Gallon, Ryan Morton, were they like, um, like, do you have a plan when you go in? Like, I want X amount of pitches by X amount of rounds. Like, how do you attack your your um, online drafts? Yeah, I have – I usually try to – I usually want four in the first – including a closer. Um, so, including at least one closer. I usually try to go for four in the first ten. That didn't totally happen here, but I ended up with five in the first 12 rounds. But I got Nola at the end of round three. I took – I did take him um, – over Verlander and McClanahan. You and I were talking you know, before we got on McClanahan left his start. It's a back <sighs> injury, but I, I mean, I was scared. I, I'm not going to, I have no shame in admitting I was scared about his injuries at the end of last year. I know he looked good in spring training so far. That's so far. That's an L on my part, um, but we'll see how these final three months go. Gallon was a big target of mine. I got him in round six, but unfortunately this is my only gallon, my only gallon fab team. I think I have him on a, on a DC somewhere and then rasmussen again like i mentioned he was a huge target of mine round 11 and round 12 was joe ryan i kind of had those two like neck and neck and i was like if i can just get one of them this was the only team where i had an opportunity to pair both of them together so i went for that morton round late a little bit later uh severino this was kind of right after his injury i don't know if i would do that again round 17 it hasn't killed me um, but it doesn't help that when he has pitched, it hasn't been the greatest. He's just got like no command right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, oh man, I, I was, I've been looking at my draft from the preseason loved a little bit in the last couple of days. And the one thing, you know, that I wanted to ask you about is just ha- getting that, you know, that guy, you feel like you're pigeonholed into taking, a third bait, like I need a corner now. I need this closer now. And I look back at my draft and oh, through the whole draft board, and I'm like, obviously in hindsight, like, oh yeah, I fucked up there because I could have had this guy here. But it just what guys who I had on my list too, who I had as as targets, and but you just went a route of like, I need an outfielder here, you know. And I just wish I just took the best player available. Um, and I think I have to yeah, do better I- with that. I think everybody's guilty of that, especially in a live draft, you know, a live fab draft, because it's like, oh man, you look and it's like, oh, I got one outfielder, or I don't have a middle, or you know, I don't, I, tr- I've definitely had that happen before. I'm not going to say that I haven't, but usually going into a draft, the only thing I really have like a solid cutoff with is is closers, because there's just, I mean, duh, there's only so many closers um, that have set jobs going in. I really wanted to try to get one of the elite guys you know, basically from like Bautista or higher. Um, and I, I was able to accomplish that with on pretty much all of my fab teams. And I do do that with the only other position I really do that with as like a hard, fast thing is uh, my catcher. I do want like my C1, so to speak. I, I have like a cutoff for there. Um, and this year it was around that like Melendez, Contreras brothers, like around that range. Like anything, like I didn't want... I, you know, I liked Tyler Stevenson. Um, I was a little worried of the injuries, but anything lower than that, like I didn't want Cal Rowley, Moreno. I, I would not have been comfortable, you know, Ruiz, Danny any Jasmine. of those guys mm-hmm. as like my C1. 
Yeah, like any of those. Yeah. Now, I, I on this team, I was able to get Melendez and then Jonah Heim as my second catcher. Amazing. Knowing what we know now, I mean, you know, I should have just been taking, you know, Jonah Heim round thirteen pretty much every time, and people would have, you know, people would have thought that was crazy. But you're, you know, look at him now. But that so really enough catcher. The C one is like that's where I kind of have. I do have a, you know, if I don't get a person by out of this range and it's, you know, it's different every year catchers deep this year in the past. It's been, you know, the last couple of years has been maybe four or five guys, you know, that were like really elite catchers. So that weirdly enough, that's the only other, but I don't look at it as like, I kind of know shortstop this year was very, very deep. But then once you got to the bottom of that, it really did fell, you know, did fall off with people that just played every day that were shortstop eligible. Yeah, I think everybody everybody's guilty of that, man. I I I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that. I just like uh, I'd have to do a better job of it. But I I totally agree with you with the C one in a twelve team league. You know, when I run my SGP, then the catchers are so valuable, and um, I'm I'm all about that. It's just wrapping up two really good catchers. Um, I'm usually trying to get that second one. You know, by 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 the Melendez range, I I really love that yeah. ultimate pairing like JTR and Melendez or uh, Will Smith and and um, Contreras, any type of combination like that. And um, it's also a spot too where I'll make sure like I try to diversify because as much as I loved Melendez is one of my most rostered players. You know, I I just I loved his I loved his. We whole, need to get him a new park. Oh, we totally need to give him his new park. Every time I look at home run to barrels and it's just all the KC yeah, guys and all the brutal. Detroit guys. And I'm like, come on. I'm like, <laughs> but I do. It's frustrating. Like, it's like, we know, we know this going into season. We like, we yeah. know, we know Kaufman's a shitty place to hit. We know <sighs> Comerica is like, I don't care what they do the dimensions. We know this. And it's like, oh yeah, but Melendez is, he's a beast. You know, if Sal P can do it, why can't, why can't Melendez do it? But. Yeah, it'll come. It'll come for him. Uh, I, I totally, I totally believe that. Um, as long as he keeps chipping away at it. Um, so it's interesting here. Like I, I'm looking at your team, and I see, you know, obviously you have um, Matt Chapman on your team, and he's on your bench um, for this period. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. I got. <laughs> no, no, it's just, no. It's... I, I was. If you can see the standings, like I also have room to go up in home runs, and I. Yes. Uh, you know, you guys, you and uh, Matty Modica were talking about doing the Oviedo. Well, I did the Joey Gallo this week for the four. <laughs> doing the Oviedo, the yeah. yeah. So I did the, I did the Gallo for the the first half period because mm-hmm. he's, you know, originally, originally it was going to be four righties. Boston had that rain out. They moved Paxton there, and I was just like, no, I'm still like, I mean, he's still Gallo, but he's a little better this year, right? I mean, he was sitting out there. It was only a couple of bucks. You know, Chapman, like he, you, you talked about the, you know, the barrels, um, barrels, the home run leaderboard or non leaderboard, however you want to look at it. And Chapman's yeah. up there too. He um, is. It's, and I'll, yeah. they're in my, they're, they were in Miami for the first three games I, outside of, uh, hoeing or whatever that guy's name is. Like it was, it was Sandy, it was Jury, and he ends up hitting a home run off a bum reliever. And Gallo, I think, went like, Gallo, I think, had more ejections than he did hits for me this half week. So, but I mean, that's unfortunately like you, you know, you get into the season, you're like, oh, I would never, you know, like 
you know, draft season, you know, is like, I would never draft Joey Gallo. Like, that's just a sucker play. Like, it's she's going to kill your batting average. It's just a homer play. If I feel I have to draft Joey Gallo, that means I screwed up. Same thing with, like, Miles Straw on the other side, you know, for speed. But, uh, you know, in season, man, like, if, <laughs> if I'm, I can't be too proud if I'm, like, 10th in home runs to not not try to stream Joey Gallo. So that's, that's what I did like, this week. No, I mean that's not a bad play at all, and I think Gallo. Yeah, I think he makes sense in in fab leagues where you could just ride his hot waves, and he's he's he has been better. And I think at the at, at the end of last year too, he was a lot, a little bit better too. I I liked him for where he was in his ADP for draft champion season, but I also don't like that format for him either <laughs> because <laughs> you're just like stuck with him, you know. Yeah, uh, just, obviously, you, you don't have to start him, but it's just. He's there just yeah. hanging out all the time. And sometimes you just want to not see get Joey Gallo on your team. <laughs> yeah, it's and I, I I'm he's gonna be cut because I also have uh hanging out on this roster. I tried to basically what I saw an opportunity to like gain some ground quick. Like I fabbed Seth Brown when he came back off the injured list. Same with Jock. You know, I ha- I already have Chapman, like you mentioned, on this team. So I was like, all right, let's go for Gallo. I'm going to have Seth Brown. I'm going to have Gallo. I'm going to have Jock all in the same lineup. And it's just going to be bombs away. And it, uh, jo- Jock's been good. Jock's been good. But Gallo can, yeah. If I could rage drop Gallo in, in NFBC, I would. Jock is hard to, you know, own, like in, in, Oh, that's why I love him for gladiators. Because <laughs> yeah. when I, I, I in a gladiator, yeah. I'm like, this is the guy I want. Because like, yeah. I don't have to pull my hair out when he sits, and he can yeah. hit me 27 homers, and it can come yep. as an outfield of four, and I never have to make the right call. Because yep. it, it's annoying with him and several other giants when they come in and pinch hit, and yeah, it's just coming to like. Um, there's been so many more and more prevalent platoons, you know. Um, just going on is less and less guys playing every day. So sometimes um, I find myself just like, okay, I'm just going to pick the better player, even if he has one less game, you know, um, or anticipating one last game. Um, it's not the way I really like to play or the the way that, you know, process wise, the best. It's, it's not like I do it with my whole roster, but yeah. every now and then, like there's one guy in my lineup where I'm like, ah, I like Jack Dewinsky, you know, like he's got the two out of four first, you know, Monday to Thursday, two lefties. He's still going to face two righties. He might come in and pinch hit, but he also might start one of those two, right, and make it three. But even in the two, I'm like, ah, I like Jack, you know. So I put him in there. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the it's those like fringe decisions that we beat ourselves up over. If you like, you know, if you start a pitcher that gets bombed, but he's one of your best pitchers, it's like, oh well, what the heck was I going to do? It was it was Joe Ryan against Detroit. Who's benching Joe Ryan at Detroit? But it's the fringe decisions that like that really kill us. I mean, I don't want to say kill us, but it's like those are the ones you agonize over because it's like I didn't have to, I didn't, I wasn't forced, no one forced me, you know, to play freaking Joey Gallo, who, you know, you talk about the platoons. I mean, Baldelli, like this guy, he burned half his bench or his entire bench today by like the third inning because they went from a lefty to a righty. I mean, that guy is just, you know, we're pulling out Julian after Julian and Kirilov after one at bat because they brought in a lefty in the third inning. Do you think it's it's him, or you think it's like he just goes by a book? I, I don't. Yeah, but what book? But I, I mean, obviously, Rocco <laughs> Baldelli. Rocco Baldelli's forgotten way more about baseball, like than than I'll ever know. But just hundred percent. I mean, good point. I mean, you if, if you take your backup catcher out, okay, you've got a four three four man bench, and do you really want to like? Do you really want to have all your entire bench burnt up by the fourth inning? Because I understand. I fully understand platoon advantages in 
high leverage situations late in the game. It's a third inning and they were up like four to nothing. And he's, and he's pinch hitting. <laughs> he's pinch hitting for, for Kirilov and, and Julian. I just, I, I don't get, I don't know who's, I don't know who makes that call. It's gotta be the front office. And he's, he's clearly on board. Um, but I, clearly I on board. Yeah, he's he clearly means. on. He's clearly on board because I'm sure. Like, could you could you imagine if uh, if somebody in the Mets front office like went into a meeting with with Show Walter and was like, "Hey Buck, you know what I think you should do today is pinch hit for two different guys in the third inning today. I think it's really going to work out for us." <laughs> yeah, I I've heard him talk about that too. I've heard him on podcast talking about that, and you know he he explained it. He's like they come in with a game plan and what they think would be the best way to go about it which 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 batters may hit this specific pitcher better and then which pitchers might be coming in and which batters for us may be able to come off the bench and he's like and i understand that and i love that he goes i love that people are trying to help us be a better team he goes and i'll use whatever i think makes sense to whatever i feel is right at the moment and you know i i think you you have to have some balance of both you know because yeah. there's there's things that he sees on the field and any manager sees and catches and feels you know it's like um and and it's part of managing that you just can't get with with running numbers you know um yeah. and i think a perfect blend of that i mean um but i see you got grayson rodriguez on the bench did you draft him um brandy or did you I, pick i him fabbed up? him he nice. he nice. was dropped he was only dropped in two of my leagues. Uh, I tried to get him in both, but this one at the time, unfortunately, it does not make as much sense now. I'm going to have a tough decision possibly in the next week or two. But anyway, I uh, I wanted to try to get him for cheap. And this one, I got him for five bucks, I want to say. And I, nice. I really think like, I mean, it's the same thing with like all these, these rookie pitchers. I mean, every, you know, a lot of times people right now are talking about the rookie pitchers that were fabbed. And they're not throwing Grayson and Fott specifically into that bucket of rookie pitchers because they weren't fabbed. Fott, I think, and maybe was undrafted in a couple of real early drafts, but by peak draft season, he was drafted everywhere. Same thing with Grayson. And it's just, they're rookie pitchers. I mean, Grayson could have a great career. Fott could have a great career. They could both suck. But I mean, we just, they're still rookie pitchers. He had a couple of really good starts. And even in the really bad starts, like, he was he was kind of unlucky. I mean, he just you see he's got a I think he I have to check really quick, but I think it's like a 387 Sierra or something right now. He definitely has some issues with possibly tipping pitches, maybe some pitch sequencing. Um, and he's had some issues where okay, it's a 406 Sierra with a 735 ERA. So even if it just pitches to the 406 Sierra, that's that's it's better great. than freaking freaking Cole Irvin. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, but, and there was even that. I think it was the Texas game where he just got absolutely shellacked. He was he should have been out of the inning. I'm pretty sure it was Mateo. Um, you know, screwed up something that he would normally do, kept the inning going, and just made it even worse. And uh, and I'm sure the team sees that he he collapsed after that. Like he was like, oh, he thought he should be out of the inning, and then he just you know, and he was sent down after that. I'm not saying there isn't mental stuff to the game that he's worked through, but I I do think he's going to be you know, going to be up here pretty soon. They've got a bunch of random off days. They had them this week. They only had uh, two games so far this week. They've got another off day coming up uh, Monday or Thursday of next week or something. So they don't need, they didn't need a fifth starter for a while. They could kind of fake their way through it. But he's, I mean, he's killing it in triple A. I mean, the, you see it doing, doing your, you know, hot corner pods. You've mentioned it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, going to I mean, so I'm, ex- I'm hoping, I'm hoping the Roto gods will let me, let me <laughs> keep him on this bench. So. 
Yeah, I scooped them up for a buck in an online championship, and I just missed them in a main event. I tried to get too cute, and I d- didn't know like how much interest he was gonna have. And the, like the first week he was dropped, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna. T-. And he had a good start. Uh, I think the ball percentage was really good. That's kind of what I'm keeping my eye on with him. And I just uh, like, ah, you know, I'm gonna take a shot here for 18 bucks, and and I moved it to 22, and I moved it back to 18, and he. Went for twenty two. I wouldn't have won that tiebreaker anyway. So and his like, ah, uh, man. at least right now his cutter kind of sucks, and he it's it like he's like squashing. Last, right? Yeah, his last or maybe maybe it wasn't the last minor league start, but one of I, I think it was the last one. It, he he barely threw it. Good. So they're they're clearly telling him uh, tighten you know, it up. You need to you can like your cutter as much as you want in the off season, but like we're trying to win some games right now. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, because you know part of me too is like thinking. Everyone's in a race to spend up on these other starter pitches, rookies, and fab. And why are you just giving up on this other one who is one who was, if yeah. not the best prospect coming yeah, in? Yeah, he the was season. the most <laughs> had the him as the top guy, you know, and I all know. of us had him top two or three. So, yeah, it's and I, I, I don't like you can see by this team, but if you look through all my teams, I, I did get um, some Bobby Miller. I got him in two fab leagues, but that was a result of basically it wasn't anything I changed about my bidding process. It was more just people starting to run out of money. Um, mm-hmm. But I would much rather just like on this team, I, fa- I was able to fab Ober and Paxton, you know, together Huge. and yeah. Ranger Suarez as a third guy, even though I. I benched him against the Braves because I was terrified. I knew the weather was supposed to be bad this week. He's not even going to make that second start against the Mets, which he ended up not. But anyway, he was able to, to deal against the Braves. But I got the three of them combined for like 140 bucks. You know, that's fab. meant those, those three guys. So that's I, I don't have a lot of the rookie pitchers, but I don't really I don't really regret it because I feel like especially in the and in 15s, it gets a little different. I, I did try obviously a little harder in the 15s, but in in the OCs, I just don't. I mean, I know you want some difference makers, but I just, and like my other OC, I was able to fab. I mean, he's pitching and he just got done pitching tonight, but like somebody, you know, dropped Braxton Garrett after his implosion again, that one brave start. And I was just mm-hmm. like, all right, yeah, he got his, he got his ass handed to him, but he's still, I still think he's a really good pitcher. So I was able to fab him for like 50 bucks on that same team. Barrios was dropped after his, you know, first really bad start. 20 for him you know another 20 couple for savali same thing on suarez on that league as well so like i would rather just get like three or four of those like really good pitchers that nobody like paxton's the big one i got paxton on four of my five fab leagues because it's just i i I ignored paxton in in dc season because i'm just like this freaking guy like he's never gonna like i I, you know kudos to him for not hanging it up but I, i just didn't see it and you see that first start Velo's right back to what it was in 20, you know, 19 or whatever it was the last time he had a full season. So that piqued my, yeah, that piqued my interest and the results were good, but they weren't like so good that everybody was going to go crazy. And I think it was the same week as like another one of the rookie pitchers. So I was able to, to grab him in like that 70, 60, 70, 80 buck range. It's been, it's been great. I whiffed on Paxton. I was just below pretty much all the median bids in both kind of leagues. I, and that was just me being, really tentative too and um it was just a little a, a little scared of it to be honest um just given the injury history and i was like oh i don't know if i want to go this route mm-hmm. but he's been freaking spectacular yeah i think at the price though even if he if if it's paxton i mean his next start could be his last one of the season i still think like you know for the 70 bucks to get to get seven i think it's been seven right 
to get seven, like just really, really good outings at, at a time when, when he was fabbed, it was when there were still a lot of people were, were going down, you know, it was like right around the time when Springs was gone and Rasmussen and all them, he, he came available at a, at a really, at a really big time for, for people if they were able to capitalize. Oh man, I've done, done pitching wrong this year. And like my, <laughs> my like SP five through nine ish. And then even so too, in the OCs is uh, I just put too much stock into them turning it around, I guess, and not flipping it over quick enough. Like I wasn't as aggressive on Garrett or over or, um, uh, with the other guy that you mentioned, just like oh, Ranger, Ranger Suarez, Ranger Suarez, Paxton. Garrett, um, Savali. Uh, yeah, and they, I was just like mostly hanging on to uh Tyano right in the ship, you know, like and not turning that over. And I think that kind of hurt me in the beginning mm-hmm. of the season because now, um, it's like instead of streaming from my bench, which I really love to do in OC, I'm trying to, I find myself trying to get more starters this year than I did have to do last year in Fab, and I just uh like on weekly rather than just every now and then pick my spot say okay this this free agent is better than what i have on the bench to stream so i'm gonna go for it mm-hmm. pretty much it's been like weekly now where i'm like i need a pitcher <laughs> and yeah. i don't like it and i don't like that feeling and that's just on my part like i said i picked the wrong pitches in the draft to start with and then i hung on to them just a little too long and in, in, in hopes that they rebounded because that's just also two or three months of me um doing my evaluations and, and, and I don't want to give up on that too quickly, you know, because you can get burned that way too, um, by giving up too early and, you know, mm-hmm. just, um, the 12 teams will really slap you silly with that. It'll really wake you up when you'd be like, you just all of a sudden turn around, like, why have I been starting this guy for six weeks? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it happens. Oh it happens. God. I think way more on the hitting side than is the pitching side. Yes. Cause those like, you know, those blowups like the, you know, the, I have Lance Lynn not on this OC we're looking at, but the other OC, like, I mean, those blowups, they just smack you like right in the face, man. Oh, when he, totally when he does, do. when he does that, throwing his, you know, throwing his, he, he looks, he looks so good for most of his starts. And then he just throws like three or four cement mixers and is like, they don't, they're not missing them this year. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just like, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how do you approach your auctions? Um, do you, do you have like a general, uh, like a firm rule that you stick by, like in terms of your your hitting and your pitching splits. Do you like tear out guys? Do you have specific dollar values you like to go to? I know everyone likes to do it differently, but give us a, like a quick uh, a quick a quick insight to like how you like, like to approach your auction. Yeah, I feel like I have my I feel like I have my snake draft process down a little better than than my auctions, but that's also I mean it's so much easier to plan you know, for a snake draft, like you can just say like, okay, I have no chance of getting these guys, these guys, this is who's going in this pocket with the auction. Like, I mean, that's, what's great about them too, is everybody's available. I don't love um, the stars. I didn't do stars and scrubs for this, this specific auction team. I normally don't like to do that. I tried to keep it as like a 60, 40 hitting to pitching. I think on this one, the way things kind of fell, it ended up being like 63, 37, but it was in that ballpark But I, I didn't spend up for any, my most expensive guy, let me pull this up really quick so I don't get it wrong. Yeah, so I had a Rosarena at 34 bucks and Devers for 31 Nice. And I liked getting – and I, I got those two, Semyon for 27 27 Sal Perez, 20 So I was able – I, I like that. I like that being able to kind of spread the wealth 
you know, a little bit, get some guys that do a little bit of everything. Although I wish Rosarena would run a little bit more this year. Uh, and then just, you know, pitching wise like this, you want to talk about a bad pitching staff. Like that's the other thing that's holding this thing back of my original. Let me pull it up really quick. Of my original pitching staff, when the auction ended, I still have Aaron Nola and Jordan Romano, who were my two, my two biggest buys pitching wise. The rest of them are gone. Rasmussen, Sale, Molly, Wisniewski, Maeda, wow. just gone, 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 all gone. I have wow. two guys left from the original one. So, but like I said, I've been able to, to kind of grind it out and get to where I'm fourth in this league and, and at least in the running. So yeah, but, uh, yeah they, fun, man. Yeah, they, they are. And you just, and it can be tough because you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I know I'm not in on player X cause he's been going, especially that's the nice thing with the NFC is you can really like, you can really kind of narrow down the last couple of days, what these guys are going for price wise, instead of just looking at the overall, their overall AAV and you're like, Oh man, if he just creeps down a couple of dollars more, you know, maybe I could be in on that, even though it's not part of the plan. That didn't really happen too much um, with this auction team. I guess the one don't like it's not it's not at the end of the work because I think it was only like five bucks. Um, but the big thing about it is just don't price enforce. It's just <laughs> not it's not it's not worth it. Like I'm like, oh, Andres Munoz should go for like eight or nine bucks. I'm not letting this guy get him for four. Let me let me let me bid five. And it has nothing to do with with him getting hurt a week into the season. It's just nuts. I wasn't targeting him. I only ended up with him because I was like, Oh, he's a, I have him as a $8 pitcher. He's been going for $9. I'm, yes. I'm not letting somebody steal him in for four. What, what if this is the year where they, where they flip it to him? And that was just, that was stupid. But, and it's also too, like, it's not your singular responsibility to not let that person go up. Yeah. There's know, 13 like, other people that could have, yes. that could have also done it. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're, you're not the like, and I, and that's something I really have to tell myself in those moments. Yeah. Um, uh, because it is frustrating, and like all you could do is like go like, oh, come on, are you fucking serious? You know, and you like look around, like and, you know, like the live drafts. I look around, it's like, and people like, come on, come on, like trying to trying to get other people to you know like wake up or smarten up, like trying to throw out some stats there too. You know, mm-hmm. come on, this guy got a nine eight nine ninety eight OPS in September. You know, just like something, just uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, yeah. But the, but the auctions are great. Um, uh, doing them live this year was really really cool. Um, you 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 have no like there's no time off, and it's just fascinating yeah. because you stay so locked in and like, um, I love it. I love it so much. I I really just um. I want to just like do all of the auctions. Yeah. It if it wasn't really, if yeah. it wasn't for time, if it wasn't a time thing, I, I would I would do more auctions probably than than I did snake drafts. But it's just it's and you can't do like actually have you, the NFC doesn't offer it, but there's I've been in them in the past. Have you ever done a slow auction? <laughs> I refuse to try it. <laughs> you refuse to try it, dude. Dude, it's actually fun. You Is get it? like, yeah, you get a couple hours to decide like, oh man, do I want to bid like seven? And then some of them you can have like eight or nine people or eight or nine like players being bid on at once. Um, so that's kind of cool. You can kind of watch the bids as they fly in and like, man, it's like, I wouldn't do a ton of leagues like that, but it's, it's fun to do like everyone. That's while. interesting. So, that is fun. Yeah, it's, that sounds fun. I've like, I, I've always wanted to do fab like as an auction, you know, like, Sunday night fab. I tried to get my league to do that, my home league. And you know, when 
during the COVID season, just as a way we could see each other too. Like, uh, oh, just, you, like the actual Fab Run itself being on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, would, that would be that would be pretty sick. You know, like Ellie De La Cruz, like four hundred. Yeah. You know, oh. like four hundred two. <laughs> you know, I did think like you, obviously you can't make that work. You know, yeah. Every single week, everyone, yeah. But I think that would be man so the, the awesome. inflation. Everybody would the inflation for at the beginning because it's just like being in person. You every single one of you would have been out of money by <laughs> Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, uh, no doubt about that. Um, talk to me about your fab strategy. Like, are you? I know you mentioned some of your fabs, but do you tend to ever go up? Um, you know, for big money for a player, or like, and do you have a like kind of like an approach like in these? two teams as well too that you're doing real well in the OC overall how are you thinking about like holding on to money obviously you know where your strengths are and what you want to hold for but what's your path to like keeping x amount of money for the rest of the season yeah I, I touched on it I wasn't in I, I didn't even sniff any of them uh you know Taj Bybee uh you know Bryce Miller like I said I got into Bobby Miller a little bit you know the, at the end there because of those two leagues specifically everybody was just was just freaking out of money uh so i was able to get them with kind of the same bids i was putting in on yuri and taj and all of them so but i i don't like i said i like attacking that those guys it, it's got i don't just i try not to anyway throw 30 40 50 bucks around on just guys that i like they've got to be like players that i think are legit you know maybe not like the the traditional definition of a difference maker but somebody that i really think can stick with me for maybe the whole season you know, maybe stick around for a while. I like to be aggressive in that like 30 to $80 uh, bid range. I did in that, like I said, the satellite that I mentioned, we were able to somehow get, get a $270 LE because we were just, we were kind of low on money because we did a good bit of that attacking the 50, $60 range. And it does chip down your budget. So you don't have the, you don't have the hammer and you don't have the Taj or Yuri to kind of like show for it. But I, it's just it's it's what's worked for me i've got let me see in my the better oc i'm at 306 left but in this league specifically that's that's good enough for the third most money left wow and yeah it's it's kind of this is like a little sidebar but not that i'm like putting my feet up and coasting in this league but the two players that are directly behind me in the standings have zero dollars left and three dollars left so i'm kind of <sighs> like yeah i'm kind of like looking at them like all right, so you two, if 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 you if either one of you two like if I don't win the league, it has to be because someone that didn't blow their fab all of it in May did it. Like, I, I just I don't understand how you can operate like four and a half months with zero fab and three dollars fab. But anyway, that's insane. That, uh, I couldn't. I, yeah. I I I I mean, what do you? How do you do you're that? Se- you're basically just like setting your lineup out of like three possible players maybe every week yeah, for you've turned it into months. a draft champions yeah you've turned into a dc without the humongous bench <laughs> and everybody else is still able to improve their team oh God. so again like i could be like i could end up with some like serious egg on my face if that person ends up you know freaking winning the league or whatever with that strategy but i just i don't see it happening uh, so that one, like I said, I have 306. And then the other one, the the other OC that I said was really tight between uh, those top four teams. I'm at 587, which is the second most. And I missed, I, I really tried hard for Ellie, um, but I didn't have the hammer and the person that had uh, seven, they had 740, I think, or something. And they, they bid, they bid 500 something dollars. It would have left, it would have crippled me. It would have left me with like $40 left for the year. And it's, as a like, I know a lot of people were talking themselves into that. Like, 
oh, you know, if you give yourself $2 a fab every week from now to the end of the year, you, you can get yourself an Ellie, but I just, I, I couldn't do that. So to, I guess the maybe answer your question, maybe I'm a little bit chicken, but I would just rather, I'd rather just be able to get who I want when I want them within reason, especially, especially the deeper we get into the season and kind of get what you need. Like that team, that's the only thing keeping me out of like the really top of the overall is saves. Like if a, if a, if a closer comes available that, that looks legit, looks like he's going to have the job. I want to be able to be seriously in on the bidding and not just throwing 15 bucks out there and hoping I get lucky. That makes sense. I like that. Um, I wanted to ask you one more quick question on the auction thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I was just thinking about when, um, as I played high stakes auction this year. And it's like, I know you mentioned some of the, like Rasmus and say, obviously those guys are cutting because they're injured, but mm-hmm. was there like a player, like what's the most expensive player you cut that wasn't hurt? And like, does that play in your mind whether or not you should cut that player? Like a decision to drop an $8 player. Yeah. It, it's like different than like, Oh, it's just a 26 round pick. You know, it's just, yeah, I'd have to look, thing. I'd have to look. My hitting is pretty established from still what I drafted. I drafted, I, I said I mentioned the four guys that I spent the majority of my hitting um, budget on, but I've, you know, I, I got a decent deal on like a Conforto, Newt Bar. Uh, mm-hmm. I got I have Isak on this team, even though he's not doing much. I have Adames. Like the meat of this, uh, the meat of this offense is, was what I drafted. I'd have to look, try to let me try to figure out and see who was the most expensive player. I guess the one that's been kind of killing me, and I know we're going to talk about this, uh, you know, later on. Miguel Vargas is one where I got him for. Uh, I have him for. I got him for nine dollars on this team, and I, there's been a couple of times where I've looked to the wire to see, like, all right, I know that you know the bad X loves him. I think I, I looked recently; they have him rest of with their rest of season projections, even with as little as Vargas has done. They saw him as like the eleventh or twelfth second baseman rest of the season. Wow. And it's like, am I really, you know, he's, he's doesn't strike out a lot. It's a great lineup. He's, his walks are, his walks are even higher than I think what most of the projection systems thought they would be. It's got to happen. He's, but he's not, he's not bearing, he's barreling the ball some, not as much as you'd like. A- anyway, I've looked for people to drop him for, and I haven't found one yet. So if that, I would drop a $9 Miguel Vargas if there was something worth dropping him for, I guess, to answer your question. But everybody else has just been, I think I spent, now even Wisniewski, like I cut him before he was even, before Wisniewski was even demoted. After the first couple starts, I'm like, okay, this just isn't happening. Yeah, it may, especially it may in happen. 12, yeah. No, this is if, this auction's a 15. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but after the first couple, I was like, this isn't happening. But even that, I'm, I'm seeing now, I thought I spent more on him, but I only spent $3 on him. So I guess... Fortunately enough, the guys that I spent more than like five bucks on have been have been worth it really outside of Vargas, which, you know, I've I've I have looked to drop him. So I guess to answer your question, I don't have a problem dropping somebody I spent eight, nine, ten bucks on if if it's if there's something out there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, with Vargas, I've I've gone to his um rolling average graph page tons of times and uh, the zone swing is trending down, which I don't like to see. It's it's like around league average right now, but he's got such a hit tool. I just want I just want to see him swing a little bit more, and he's chasing a little bit more. Um, but the zone contact is is flying up, like mm-hmm. it's ninety two percent, and it's just 
Uh, sometimes you just got to yeah, get more he's aggressive. Been a good, he, yeah. He's been a good real life player for them. It's yeah. just, it's not quite translating into that, you know, fantasy juice we're looking for, but he, so yeah, about nine, 10 bucks, but he's, okay. if, if something were to pop, and it's nice, he's got that first base, second base. It's like, all right, he basically takes up, you know, even if I just basically, you know, demote him to my bench, so to speak, he covers as like a backup MICI. So yeah, it, it's it's tough for him. I'm st- I, I'm going to give him a few more weeks. They've got this trip to cores coming up. I mean, I can at least hold him through that. So I kind of see if anything maybe slowly starts to turn around. But he'd be somebody if something popped. I would I would look to to maybe move on from him there. Yeah, because it's kind of um, the Vargas thing. It's kind of like a segue into like the next thing I want to talk about. Just sometimes when we find ourselves, you know, I think we're so focused on Fab and what's next and what we got to do to add to our team, and sometimes I forget to look at my team um specifically and not mm-hmm. just like guys that are cuts but guys that maybe i shouldn't be starting as a no-brainer oh yeah that's a start i mean obviously um you know i have other things that help me with that like the radball projections or maybe the bat projections for the week and they could kind of help us dictate like what what we like what's the better play but sometimes i think it's just automatic smash on on players and um, I don't know if you found anyone recently on your teams, like because like I I had Zach McKinstry as just like a just as like a, a nice bench bat in an OC, you know, like uh, he got those periods where he starts all the time, and he was doing everything right. He was st- he, he was stealing, yeah. he was balling up the leading ball, yeah. he was leading off, and now he's um, I just like tapping is like you know last 14 last 30 and i'm like going back i'm like oh i'm like what's happening here like the last 30 days he's got a 598 ops and um just not hasn't been the same hasn't hitting hasn't been hitting the ball as hard and i'm like all right like maybe i gotta pump the brakes a little bit on on him um seth brown is another guy obviously i think um the power stuff is still there but underneath it kind of looks like oh man i hope hope we can keep it up and um, I don't know if you've come across anyone. And I mean, the, honestly, what triggered this was Jared Kelnick. I was doing like a dive on him too. And him too in the last 30 days only had a 596 OPS back to the 185 batting average that we're accustomed to seeing him with mm-hmm. back to 39.5% K rate, back to 16.3% swing strike rate. And I'm like, oh man, is this, I don't have any Kelnick, but I'm like, is he going, is he just streaky? And like that beginning of the season was that, that like that natural variance of when he's clicking and then it just is, he falls into this, you know, and he's maybe somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Um, this is what the small sample, like, you know, that we, that we've been like experiencing obviously up until now. And and now we're halfway through, we're almost halfway through. So a lot of this stuff is like real, you know? Yeah. A couple of people that that first came to mind and then I, you know, I saw this on your outline and I I dug into this a little bit. I have, it's, it's a little harder into DC obviously because you just, I was like, well, I got, I got three healthy guys that can play first corner and third. So, you know, you're going in, but Ryan Mountcastle's one where, We'll see what happens um, with this vertigo thing that he has. Hopefully he's all right with that. You know, I know it kind of really messed up Austin Meadows, but I think other people have had it. and it, They were able yeah. to bounce back, bounce back fairly quickly. His just to me seems like it's, it's mostly just BABIP. I mean, his, it's a 256 BABIP and it's, you know, 303 last year, 297 the year before his barrel rate is identical to what it was last year. You know, he's not even chasing quite as much. It's, I mean, it's only a percent, but it's still, it's not trending in the wrong direction. So I think that's just assuming he, assuming health wise, everything in, you know, mentally everything checks out with him. I, I'm not, 
I'm not too worried about him. It has been rough. I mean, he had that fire start to the season this first couple of weeks, and it's really just hasn't been much, you know, the last month. But I, I think maybe whatever he's dealing with has kind of led to that. But I'm I'm not too worried about it. But he is somebody that if you had better options and you're looking at it and it's like, oh, I could have maybe avoided that, like, you know, one for 20 he had last week if I would have really, like, took it a little more serious to not bench someone like that. Adamus is the same way. I've got him on two or three teams. He's not quite as just like just as much Babip as it is as it is for Mountcastle, but it's still mostly Babip with him. Barrel rate is still close to what it normally is. He's hit the ball on the ground, you know, maybe a little more, but he is pulling it more. He's been very streaky, obviously, throughout his career. So I'm not too worried about I'm really not too worried about Adamas. I think the power is going to be there. He's at least stealing at a little bit higher rate um than he has in his career. Not that he's ever been a huge steal guy, but if he can if the batting average is going to suck this year, if he can get to like, you know, maybe 12 bags or something and then get the, and get the power to come around, that would be great. I thought I was going to say for this Francisco Lindor, not to pick on your Mets, but I'm like, this guy's not being a fourth round pick like this. What am I doing with him? But he's actually like, I, I looked on the, the year to date player Raider and he's earned like 20 bucks and yep. got him at the end of round four. That's like a $20 pick. So I can't, I mean, I'm sure there are some specific Lindor teams that are like really pissed at him and he's tanking their batting average if they have other batting average drains to go along with him. But I'm not complaining about that. The big one though, for me though, and I think there's something to this because you mentioned like McKinstry kind of falls into this. The big one for me was Brandon Marsh because Mm, I like Brandon. He was him, Sale and Rasmussen. If you include DCs, they were my three most roster players. I like the changes that he made once he got traded to the Phillies had a couple of moments in the postseason. They're like, they're going to let him, they're going to let him run. They're going to let him play. They didn't really bring in like a super obvious, you know, platoon guy, you know, for this, for this year. And he got off to that really good start. You know, he was even striking out less, you know, there were some homers, there's some seals, lots of runs scored. And I'm like, I think if you're like on a guy, a fringe guy like that, and they hit the ground running, you're much more likely to fall into this trap. Like I would have been better off, like after the week, like four or five or so, I'd have been better off just freaking cutting him and letting somebody, you know, put a decent chunk of fab on him and get the, you know, 40 strikeouts <laughs> to four walks that he's done this month. I mean, he's, he's had a couple hits this week, but like, and he's one where I thought, I also thought I was like smarter than the projections. Cause every week the, the Razball projections are like, they hate Brandon Marsh. Like he, it's like Brandon Marsh. You shouldn't even get out of bed. Like it, it's just bad. And I'm like, nah, he's fine. He's fine. And I really fell into that trap of just, you know, letting that hot start carry over to thinking that's who Brandon Marsh is now. And it, it obviously was just, at least looks like just maybe like the hottest two or three weeks, maybe of his career or two of the three hotter weeks he's going to have. So, but I think McKinstry kind of falls into like what you're saying. If there's got to be something to that, where if you think you, you think you hit on a guy, he gets uh, hits the ground running and then you just kind of, you think he's set and forget it. And you forget to go back and check. He's actually not set and forget it. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. And um, yeah, I think, I, I, I think you nailed it on Lindor. Um, I just think that, He's 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 gonna be this guy now where you're just gonna get like exactly the value of what you paid for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um you're not gonna I I think the thing And there's nothing wrong with that. No, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that because you need guys you need, like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um but yeah, like really really just looking back on my team, that's why I've just created 
like on Fangraphs, I've created the custom leaderboards for my fab teams and my DC teams. So I just go straight to them. It just helps make my lineup decisions. You know, it's like, obviously I'm not all about the hot and cold, but you do want to see what the hell is going on with your players. Also, you know, at the same yeah, time, of just looking, just looking at the matchups, looking at the schedule, because like I said, um, you know, it, it's, I, and I know people who just don't even look at the numbers. They don't care. It's what the projections say. They trust them. And that's what they're going forward with. But me, like my total package as a player, I feel like when I'm at my best, I'm utilizing both. I like it's, it's, it's watching game. It's, it's looking at recent production and also looking at a projection. Then it's just a mix, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that like really looking back at your team, Oh man, like I said, uh, it's, especially for fab. It's just like, what am I doing with Andrew Benintendi? You know, why is he still <laughs> on my team? And it just took me so long to drop him because like, it's like, Oh, he's still playing, you know? And it's, Oh man. It's just didn't, didn't. Every year. Like I feel like every, every, everyone that plays this game has a guy or two where they're just like, but he plays every day, but yeah. it's, it's a okay ish lineup. It's not the, it's not the greatest line. It's not the, it's not the Dodgers. It's not the Rays or Rangers, but it's not, you know, it's not the Royals. But which I have too many Royals spread across my teams. I realized that recently. <laughs> like I liked Wit. You know, my catcher on a lot of my teams is either Perez or uh, Melendez, and I fab Nick Prado because I like Nick Prado. You know, fab Mikel Garcia looked like he's going to run a little bit, and then I realized, and I'm like, I'm paying way too much attention to the freaking Royals to these fab teams. So there really mm-hmm. needs to be like they need to add. Uh, maybe Jeff could get a, a chapter into the process about like don't roster like six Royals throw across your teams. <laughs> no, it happened. I mean, it's just, especially too, like because of the limited amount of pitchers that have become available, like, you know, in VAB and 15 team leagues. And, you know, like um, I picked up JP Sears everywhere, like early, because I just really loved it. Like from the start, mm-hmm. what I saw with him, but, and then he's like, then you pick up another pitcher who's like in his boat. Like maybe it's, um, Lorenzen, right? Who's just solid. He's giving you innings. He's not mm-hmm. having disaster games. But then you're like, ah, oh, yeah, these guys are re-. And like, I oh, these guys don't fucking win games. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then you'll get he a did. couple of those, right? You'll, you'll he get did finally these- get his first one, but it might yeah. be the only one. <laughs> exactly. But you, you know, like you're just trying to get the best arms and fab, and then all of a sudden you're like, you look at your starting team, like, man, it's um, I may have gotten better pitchers now. You know, but like mm-hmm. these guys are not giving me a great chance to win. But that's, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, like, yeah, you- I think even with somebody like Sears, like if you're like if you threw in this week, I don't know what the rest of your team looks like, that specific team looks like or anything, but throwing him against Cleveland this week, you you probably could have gotten away with that. Like, all right, I'm probably not going to get a win, but he's going to be fine. There's going to be spots to use Sears, even though you're not you're not going to get many wins. You just can't be <laughs> he can't be part of your nine every single week for five months because you will fall behind the wins, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but he has been in my, on a couple of my teams, and just, I mean, I I started him. I think you know when I, it's crazy. So when I really realized I love JP Sears was that, you know, um, he he had I think a start against um, Texas right earlier in the mm-hmm. season. Um, it was I think the end of April. Um, and he went six innings. He struck out 11. It probably the most strikeouts a starter has had at Texas. That, should, that would be a good thing to go back and look at. 
Um, and he also got Babbitt to death in that game, too. I remember like thinking, man, this game could have been really good. But then he also had a game against Houston mm-hmm. that he was really good at. But then like he played Atlanta. And yeah. I'm looking at it now, May 30th. and He survived Atlanta, yep. He survived Atlanta, but also to like my projections said must start. Didn't they start? And I'm just like, man, like what, like what, what, what are they picking up here? Like, you know, that's so obviously it was good that it was home versus Atlanta, but it was still the Atlanta offense. And then, you know, that's a, that's the little things too. Like if you take a look at the Raz ball, if you take a look at the bat, whatever you're using, um, if you're using them, like just peel back for a second and just kind of, look at what's going on because I've noticed like obviously they the starting pitchers get dinged up more on the road you know because there were mm-hmm. so many instances where I'm like how can Marcus Stroman be ranked 130th versus the Cubs I mean versus the Pirates you know I was like oh because he's away you know um, but it's just like a couple of those I'm like nah like yeah. that's that's not that's not right but yeah, that, um, but that's where that like ex- you know the experience of playing the game Right, exactly. When you're making your decisions, like like tonight, like I know this week I have Braxton Garrett on a few teams, and if I would have just went by the weekly projections, I wouldn't have started him at home against Pittsburgh. So like I said, I I don't know why projection Mm -hmm. systems just don't seem to like Garrett. I guess they haven't picked up on his changes from last year, but uh, there has to be something. There has to be more to it than just like pressing a button and having it spit out your best lineup. So absolutely, absolutely, you gotta have that feel like. And like you said, if you know the changes, right, and you see it, um, obviously it doesn't mean that like you're right maybe for the rest of the season about this player, but currently what he's doing differently. Yeah. Currently you know, right now, great park to pitch in. The home theory, like you know, like you're saying, where they weigh the home versus the road pitcher. And then just, you know, Pittsburgh's been a nice story this year, but they're kind of back to just being a below average offense. Yep, absolutely. Um so I wanted to get into I know you wrote down here actually a couple things about um some stuff that we've gotten wrong this year. Um but mm-hmm. before that I wanted to ask you so I asked Dom last night during our podcast about, you know, I don't know if you've like listened to pods or heard anyone or read anyone use like the percentage mark and mm-hmm. for fab in terms of a fab recommendation or what they paid on a player and it's just it drives me nuts because it's like six percent of, and it's like six percent of what? Is it six percent of a thousand or a hundred or or is six percent of 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 the remaining dollars you have left? Because then at that point, if it's six percent of thirty of of three hundred and forty, it's such a different number, and it's just like just say seventeen. Yeah, you know, just just yeah, say I, the number. I, I think the percentages. If you're saying if you're saying the percentages based off of a thousand. That goes out the window after like the second fab run, in my opinion. That's not helping anybody. <laughs> and this year, and this year, shit, it was probably after like the first little mini fab run if you drafted early. But uh, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not out here writing like fab articles or anything. So I want. I don't want to sound like I know. I know everything about how this should be done, but it needs. Yeah, selling someone to bid X percent off of their starting budget this year is useless because I have, like, we just went over those the, just two teams of mine specifically. One has five hundred and sixty dollars. One has three hundred and five or whatever it was. Like, that's a huge two hundred and fifty dollars is a huge difference at this point of the season. And then I know I have another my lowest fad team, the one the team that got uh, Ellie, is at like one hundred and eighteen or something. So ten percent to the one hundred and eighteen compared to the five sixty is it's it's night and day like it's not even 
it's not even worth discussing. So I think a dollar figure would would definitely help or just be like, hey, whatever you have left, bid half of it if you really need this guy or if you right. really if you think you need this guy, if you think you need this statistic, this position, whatever the case may be. So I yeah, yeah the saying I, I don't I, I don't know who five bid 10 percent of your starting budget in on June. You know, what is going to be the 25th? for this next fab run. Like, I don't, that doesn't do anything to anybody. At least it doesn't, I don't know what it would do for, for me. If I had bid 10% of, you know, of my, of all my budgets, it would be like, I'm bidding 10 bucks on this guy, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And I, I totally doesn't mean to think that whoever's talking about it. Or yeah. It's just one of the, it's a, there's are, a couple of things that need to be, job. Yeah, yeah. It's just that they need to be a little more universal. Just like, Hey, we need to know that after the first, like two weeks of the season, we need to start saying like, bid a lot for this guy league dependent you know i, I get it you can't beat for every single league but right you can't go you know. on and on about you know every single league size but, but now you're 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 right you're not you're not being crazy on this one it needs to be something yeah. needs to change yeah because me as a listener i just feel like you're not guiding me any way that it really can substantially help me because it, it, it's a totally different figure in the head um all right let's talk about some stuff that we've gotten wrong this year um I personally, I think I mentioned first the um, my pitchers and my SP five to nine range, the Michaelis, the Singer, the mm. um, uh, the Okidi. You know, that's I mean that's injury, but still, even before he got injured, he didn't. It could have been the injury that that didn't make him look right early in the season, and um, I really feel like I came into the season with. Uh, wanted to stress a little bit more power and I didn't address that again. Um, I underdrafted <laughs> that again and it's just boggling my mind and why I didn't execute it. Some of it was just poor decision-making. Some of it was because it was like, Oh, um, I'm not passing up on this guy here, you know? And it just led me to another route, like maybe getting more pitching depth. And, uh, and I feel like too, um, early in the season, I was pretty down, like not like super down on my teams, but like I'm not going to be able to fix this. You know, that's mm-hmm. the that's the things that were creeping into my head, and I just had to peel back from that and say, yeah, like it's we're 30 games in, guy. Like relax, <laughs> like relax, like smarten up. You know, stop being yeah. so dramatic. I I really try to be ex- like really extreme with myself. Like I tell myself the most extreme things to like make me snap out of it because sometimes that's what I need. You know, if 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 a splash of cold water isn't gonna do it, or like smacking yourself in the face isn't gonna do it, you just you just gotta tell yourself with words that you know wake up and it's fine and. Like, and that's what I've noticed too. And I think it's healthy to scrape if you can the like the weekly data from um your your NFBC leagues and just look at the standings from week one through twenty-six. And that's what I did. The days where I was like, Man, are my leagues done right now? I went back to that and I looked. I said, Oh, you know what? I had the same amount of points last year in this league and um and I ended up third, you know. So it's like it just gives me um a good sense of, Hey, you still got time to work this out. And I think it's like, for me, honestly, it's just being more locked in than ever with playing time and, um, player trend and skill sets and just feeling like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll have to find my edges where 
I'm going to find them, you know, and I trust that I could do that. Um, to at least just give my best effort, you know? And so that's how I go through, like, just trying to at least in my mind say, I'm going to, you know, I can make this team better, you know, with what I have available. Yeah. I mean, before we get into like what we got wrong, you're touching on a lot of like the mental part of it. I mean, that's a big, that's a big deal. I mean, it's a six month season, you know, we're setting lineups, you know, constantly, constantly tweaking this, tweaking that, you know, looking at fab pickups. Like I have, there's definitely days where I'm just like, Oh, I had, I had a great day. I'm, I'm really excited to watch a couple of pitchers pitch. And then if I have a shitty day, I'm like, ah, there's not a chance in hell. I'm watching any of my, <laughs> any of my pitchers go tonight. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, and it's, it goes like your, just the energy to like, you know, if you're, if you had a rough weekend or something, it's like, Oh, I got to sit down and do fab. So I, I think it, you're touching on like the mental part of it. That, that definitely is a big thing. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I think to like some of the pitchers that you mentioned, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't have singer anywhere. He was dropped in a league and he's, I, I know I was bragging about all the guys that like, I like to attack in that, you know, $50 range. So where if, if I feel like someone made a mistake, I have a league where I got singer for like 30 couple bucks after he had his first couple of rough starts. And it looked, I, I thought to most people, or at least to me anyway, that it was like, maybe he's not quite as good as he was last year, but it's like a lot of bad luck. Homer to fly ball rates really high. Babbitt's high. Like he's going to be fine. He's clearly not fine, <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but, it's, but it's like your Keaty and Michaelis. I almost wonder if this, that's just more of like a type that maybe like you could find that kind of type. And like, we're talking about Sears, like you got Sears on a couple teams. Sears is part of that auction team where I lost my entire pitching staff and I've tried to rebuild it. Like, there, he's a little in that range, like just like just solid, steady, just production. And you can kind of now you may not know who they're going to be. You know, obviously, that's that's part of the part of the gamble with with going to the wire uh, to try to help fix your team. But I would say for you, that's more of like a type that you're going after. Right. I mean, Michael is Arkady. Yeah, I mean, I like Michael. I just think he's he's got something that projections and our dies. He definitely into does. My- yeah yeah he just throws the kitchen sink at any different count and all different locations um and i and i still don't think i made a bad pick with him i I think by the end of the season he's the kind of guy like you know when you just add up his and to see the numbers it's 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 better than us hyper analyzing all the little blow-ups he's had over the season because he'll Mm -hmm. i i just feel confident that we'll look back and be like i don't know that was a value pick uh but yeah you know there was um just a spot in my draft where after i felt like i had a good base of case that i was just trying to get you know guys who could just tuck in and like yeah, yeah like 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 brady singer fine like i don't want like people like oh but the k rate is just it's like that's fine like i don't i don't need it to be there i just need him to just you know gobble up innings and not be a disaster which he's not doing any of right now <laughs> yeah um yeah and i also I, feel like he's broken yeah yeah i know it's such a shame it really is um and i think another area where i just looking back on and i just feel like i've just wasted picks just speculating on like the box burgers you know and the fulmers of the world mm-hmm. um at the end of draft where obviously yeah if you hit that's great but i think you know i just have to start taking your Josh Lowe or whoever, like just this, this high skill set guy that if you just get some PT could run away with um, being a big impact. And, and, and just because I feel like I'm just, and obviously that's what those rounds are for because you're going to turn it over. But I mean, every time I went with a speculative closer, it 
just I look back, I'm like, yeah, I got rid of these guys in two weeks. And obviously that's what the yeah. spot's for, but I, I need to make better picks there. I need to make I, I, I think we're I don't think just as a whole, not just you and I, just as a whole, we're not as good as hitting it's like, oh, just hit the late closers. And it's like this year, this year maybe it's been a little better, but there hasn't been a ton of like super late late guys that just, you know, didn't have the job, maybe had the job or whatever. Like, you know, Estevez has been has been probably the best late run guy, but for the most part, everybody felt like he had the job. Now, whether he was going to hold it was a different conversation, you know, because of how rocky his spring was. But, you know, the Cubs, you know, people liked Alzale, but if that was a DC pick, you know what I mean? Nobody was, I mean, maybe some people were drafting Alzale in Fab Leagues, but for the most part, that was a DC pick, and he ends up being the best guy in the bullpen. And even, you know, Mark Leiter Jr., who definitely wasn't drafted in any Fab Leagues, he ends up getting more saves than even Fulmer and, and Boxberger did. So I, I do think that's that's something that's yeah, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna sit here and and we're gonna say oh we need to stop doing that, and then you and I'll talk next year and be like man, look at this round twenty five, uh, you know, Aroldis Chapman I got he's gonna, he's gonna win the he he's gonna win the uh, Tigers job just watch, and it's so funny too I don't know like I did something weird the other day where I kind of looked at. Uh, I don't know why I even went down this road, but I just, I guess I never noticed it was there, but you know, when you, when you import your, um, you know, when you d- get your draft results from the NFBC site, you know, you could put it into a spreadsheet or whatever. Um, and the duration is there, because, you know, if you did it live, I mean, um, on the computer, you yeah, know, yeah. so you could see the pick count and I just noticed like, man, man, oh yeah, yeah. I felt confident. Like all the yeah. guys in the two or three second range, are guys that like I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I could see I picked this guy like really quick because I love them, you know, and I and I'll, I'm looking back on it and it's like, um, some of them are really good, but Okiti was like my mm-hmm. <laughs> my fastest pick <laughs> next I, to Hunter. I do Green, feel like that, like, <laughs> I do feel like there is something to that. Like, your th- three second picks are like, yeah, I nailed that, and it's like <laughs> all the picks that took 59.8 seconds is like, those were all the <laughs> shitty picks. <laughs> It's like I really should uh kind of kind of look at that you know a little closer. Like Degrom was again third round and like fifty two seconds, and I'm like okay, thought about that one. Yeah, odd, <laughs> you know. And uh, a little longer, right? <laughs> man, it's like that was actually you know this this draft I uh, shared a team with Ryan Venancio. So, but even though we were picking together, uh, we we were so we really prepared for it. But the the Degrom was. One that we just uh, actually you're talking said. about it like eight picks ahead of time. You're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, no, we were like actually in our draft prep the night before. We did like three hours on Zoom, just going through every round and just wrote out every possible guy we'd take in every round, and like which guy we would take uh, like a round above or two rounds above. And we actually said like, oh, like if we could start off with like um, Cole or Otani, like maybe we'll consider Jacob Degrom in the third round, and we got. Otani and Cole in like eight and seventeen, and then the the, the Grand Prix came and I I was just like, let's just fucking do it. And he's like, yeah, let's go. You know, like yeah. But I mean, um, I could I could see how that would be pretty pretty easy to talk yourself into. Mm-hmm. Start, start yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was fun. It was fun until at the time. Yeah, until it's May and you're cutting your third round pick. Oh God, looking <laughs> the Grand. I did it to myself too many times this year, but. You know, just um, he would have never. Can you imagine him on this team too right now? Oh yeah, this... that's oh, yeah. that's we gotta hurt him like too. I mean, 
by all accounts, Degrom seems like a good guy. I mean, he clearly is a, an animal when he's when he's on the mound. I mean, I feel for the guy. And now he's going to be, you know, he's going to be the guy that's like the highest paid player on a team that you know goes to the division series or whatever. And he's not going to be a part of that. So, yeah. But awesome. I've I've actually never. I'm pretty pretty positive. I've never had Jacob Degrom on a, a single team. Really, the, the entire time. Yeah. Yep. I missed the breakout, and then I just never. I've never ended up with him. And then lately, the last handful of years, it's just been easy for me to to not have him. It's been very easy to do that. But <laughs> yeah, but that, no, I never right. I never got to have I never got to have any of the fun before that. So damn man, lucky you. I'm 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 I love Jake DeGrom. I'm so I'm so attached to him and drafting him, you know, all the time. Um is there anything else you want to cover with the what you've gotten wrong this year? Is there anything uh else you want to add yeah. to? Yeah, about. I mean, I don't have like not to flex or anything. I don't have a lot of like early picks that I that I really whiffed on. But there's one, and it wasn't even so much like the pick. It was just like kind of the decision. And then I guess it goes into like it's a combination of I guess good process and bad process because I had the not the OC that that we were kind of dissecting a little bit. It's the other OC. I had the first pick, and I had we were talking beforehand. Like if I write something down, like that's mm-hmm that's big for me rather than like typing it out or anything. And I had written down, I got, the, I drew the first picks. I'm like, okay, there's a Cunha. I'm kind of like tracking, you know, tracking the, the last couple of drafts of ADP kind of seeing where things are trending. And I was like, all right, I'm going to obviously take a Cunha first. And then I'm going to go because of when I kind of made my, my own personal pitching rankings, I had these two guys and I wasn't the only one. I'm not breaking any ground here, but I had Luis Castillo and Kevin Gaussman very high. And I'm like, all right, I know with ADP, I can go Acuna, I can go another legit bat, and I can get like a class A, you know, a class A level, like just ace closer, and then four or five in an OC. I'm going to go Castillo, Gaussman, and it's going to be the most beautiful thing anyone's ever constructed. Mm-hmm. And I just, on the clock, like I'm looking, and I kind of knew what the trends were. I knew those guys were, were creeping up, but I didn't pay full attention to that and i have no problem admitting that that i that i screwed this up i had i wasn't really paying attention to that dylan cease was trending down in mm. recent adp like by the time the last like handful of uh, ocs and mains like those three guys and, and and bieber and javier were like they were all right there they had become like kind of their own little tier and i'm sitting there on the clock and i'm like wait like I kind of, I kind of hadn't really, even though I had cease below those guys, I'm like, wait, did I screw this up? Like, am I really, I can't be like, I'm obviously not smarter, that much smarter than the market that I can take like two guys over them. So I pressed the Dylan cease and Luis Castillo buttons. And I've only, I only think about that like seven times a day, every day since (laughs) no big deal. But I mean, cease is, cease is, is starting to come around. And the only thing that's saving me from like quitting fantasy forever is the fact that Gosman did have those couple of blowups, but, but I, I don't, I don't really know. Like there's no actionable thing to that other than just, if you really are confident that, you know, you have these guys, like if you're, if you're going through, you're doing the work and you're really confident that you have these these couple of players over another guy, even though the, you know, the market is saying else, you know, saying otherwise just go with what you've come up with. Cause you're going to be way more pissed off if you go against what your, your own work found than you are. If you, uh, 
go with what it was. Cause then maybe I can learn from that and be like, ah, what did I screw up here? How did I miss this? So other than just, you know, being on the clock and being a dumbass. So that's kind of like my big, like what I got wrong. Uh, I love that. I love that talking though about, about that, about really just, you know, die on your own hill. Um, not that we want to talk about death, but just, just you know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's a, I, I mean, that's, I, I try to do that sometimes. And even in that, even in that situation, I still didn't do it. Like, what are you going to be more pissed about? Are you going to be more pissed if you do right. this or this go with the one you should probably do what you're going to be more pissed about if it, if it doesn't work out. So hundred yeah, I mean, percent. Yeah, C C's coming around saving things a little bit. The team the, the team overall is good. Like obviously I would be higher in the standings and probably have a shot at, at doing something in the overall, just going from C's to Gosman. Because of Gosman and Castillo, that's you know, that's a great pairing. Um and Castillo's been very good outside really outside of last night's been great, but and so hopefully hopefully C's turn around a little bit. Gosman can throw maybe like one more like clunker in there and just you know, I'll be I'll forget all about it. So Yeah, I mean it's tough because, like, if you look at the rest of the season projections for Cease, you know, the bat and, and Steamer having for 114Ks, 104, you add that to, like, 204Ks, and he'll probably be, again, uh, only a handful of guys who get over 200. Yeah. And, like, in totality, you know, that's, that's – He's, that's he's not, not bad. He's just yeah. – there's no – he's not going to – Gosman, assuming health, Gosman's getting Cy Young votes. Dylan Cease is not going to be getting Cy Young votes this year. So True. Great point. Yeah, that just – uh I love Dylan Cease. I'm trying to. Uh, I I didn't get much of him last uh, this year. Last year I was all over him, um, and just so I thought he was just going to take that next step and be really super, um, super. And he he still he still. I I don't. I, I think a lot of people thought that the White Sox would be. And I, I did this too. I was like, just going from Larusa to like literally anyone else on planet Earth would be. A, a big improvement and it clearly was not there's clearly something else going on there and then you think about like i think c said this as well but i know giolito had to like i think he's a couple different times now had to go outside of the organization for help to you know to improve his own field performance so you almost have to wonder if that's if there's something there that's besides just you know the guy putting the lineup card out there every day and maybe C's kind of, maybe maybe c's will have to kind of do a little bit of that so but he's he's still like I said it's not it, I I'd be clearly when we talked about where I was I'm at in this league he's not that pick alone is not going to be the reason why I like win or don't win this league but it sure as hell would have helped so so to wrap this up Randy um, you're sitting here you know in a great spot for the overall at fifty percent of the way in like how much of your mind is on the overall as well as winning your league uh. I'm still more focused on, on the league. Um, I'll mm-hmm. start to kind of really make some, and, and that's the thing. Cause like, I know just because of a lot of with like, with my league standings, I know, I know what I need to gain doing the overall for this, this team specifically saves, uh, saves and home runs. So I feel like for the first part of the season, that, that kind of goes hand in hand, like, all right, well, if I'm in last in the league, you know, in, in a category, obviously I need to improve that to also have a shot at the overall. But then I'll, I'll start really looking at August. This I had last year. It, it it was I was high in. I ended up finishing fourth in the TGFBI overall. But what I was actually tracking, I was talking with uh, Zimmerman and uh, our 
you know, with who are Dynasty League, Dylan White, you've had on the pod before. Mm-hmm. The three yep. of us were top three in the side pot, which was a which, which was a pretty good chunk of change. So that was like my first real experience with like a, a overall quote unquote, even though it wasn't like the three of us are probably the only ones that know who the top three were in that in that last year because we were the ones like dying with every single you know game the last couple of weeks of the year because we were very close. But I I knew that like if I was gonna Zimmerman ended up taking first in the side pod, I was second, and Dylan was third. Um, but I knew if I had any chance of passing passing Jeff, it had to be batting average. I went through, I looked it over, I knew what I had to have, I knew which players I had that were you know, kind of unique to the other players that were around me. And these were the yeah. guys and these were the guys that were going to, you know, either get me first or, you know, keep me in second. Or I, I think there was a chance, maybe the last couple of days I had second locked up, but there was a time where I thought that, uh, that Dylan could even pass me. Dylan's Dylan's a great guy, by the way, you and I had been in that dynasty league with him for a couple Well, you are sort of in the league, but yeah, I know you're, I know you're passing the torch, but Dylan's Dylan's a great guy. Hundred percent. How much fun is that to like just looking at all that stuff, right? Just doing that that overall run. Yeah. Like last year, I I I was in this spot too, like where we are now in the fifties in the OC, and mm-hmm. I just really put all like all my effort into getting up to I think fifteen overall, and it paid out to be like just as much as second places in a league, which I yeah. was like, wait a minute, this isn't right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like I, it's, it's fun really dissecting all that. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, like, but it'll drive you crazy too. I mean, I, that will, was a major, you have a bad night and you're just like, like I would have a really bad night. And then I would just like close my laptop, close my laptop, shut the iPad off, throw the iPad across the room. Just like, ah, I'm done with this game, but I yeah. Mean, it's fun to really di- to really dissect, and and that's the big thing is is you have to kind of at least from what I was tracking the most of this year. I mean, you obviously have experience winning, uh, you know, the DC overall and the and the overall you just mentioned from last year, cashing in that. But like the I think the unique players are really kind of just I don't say unique because you're all pulling from the same pool, but like the people that you're competing with, unique yeah. guys, unique unique from those players. Yeah, like um, you know. I'm good friends with Steve Weimer, and he he was you know went down the wire last year against Big Bucks Bob Cramatola mm-hmm. in the main event overall, and mm-hmm. I saw the things that he was you know he was talking it out because he definitely needed to talk it out. It's stressful, <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah. and especially too. I I think I'll I'll never stop saying this that he won the league and Bob won the overall, and they were yeah, in the same league. Really, that'll never happen again. No, really won't. It's just fascinating, but just just to see the levels he went to, it was pretty impressive. Like I couldn't like, I would have spent all my days doing what he did, you know, but he just, <laughs> he, every single angle, but to the point where it was just like, Joe Ryan has to have a bad start. You know, this team, this team, this team, and this team has him in the overall. I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. but, <laughs> and now like he's, he's scarred by some guys that like helped other teams you know win it yeah um, and, and it's just impressive though but i just think it's it's really cool it's like an awesome part of this game it's an awesome feature of the nfbc like this having the overalls and having mm-hmm. everyone just always you know talking about it and and referencing 80th percentile and 90th percentile and mm-hmm. you know, how much how much is one homer gonna get me um in this overall and um that's the stuff you have to do though. You know, it really do. Like um, I noticed like last year too, when I was trying, I, I, I need a power surprise, surprise. And um, 
go figure. Like that's all I, all I wanted to do as a, as an athlete is just go yard and, uh, and baseball. And I, I can't get enough power on my fantasy baseball team. Um, <laughs> you get more of those pool hitters. I, yeah, I do, man. What the hell? I got to trust that a little more. Um, but it's, it's really, I think it's, it, it's cool when you look at it too, like where, where it's bunched up to. Cause I remember thinking, you know, when I first started doing these numbers and just find, figure out, all right, um, a home run is, is, is worth, uh, you know, 14 points or 22 points. But then I realized too, like where, where I was in the home runs, it was just a different spread, you know? So it's like, um, there's so many levels of that too. Cause I noticed that too, cause I, I was trying to move two teams up at mm-hmm. the same time in power. And I was like, All right, a home run, every home run is, is going to get me 32 points. But then when I went down to a team that was more in the bottom, I was like, Oh, Mike, I need like a home run's going to get me like e- even more points, you know? So it's just, um, it's cool when you get to that level, it's, it's really worth going through every, every corner that you can to try to, you know, make the, yeah. make if that I, final push. Be fun. Yeah, if I'm still sitting here in, in the fifties or so, or hopefully even higher, you know, come, come like, I'd say like end of July, that's when I'll, you know, beginning of August. And I, I mean, maybe that's, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know Guild says he's looking at it already now, but I mean, that guy just, you know, wakes up every day and, and cashes in an overall. So I, I can't compare myself to him, but he, he dreams yeah. overall skills. Yeah. 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 He's, he's a great, he, great dude. hundred percent. I met him in Vegas and, um, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's half, half the guy he is on Twitter and half completely not the guy he is on twitter and he's just really really cool dude really awesome person really locked in really convicted in his thoughts which i think you know a lot of us are and and have to be but he's yeah um you know he's he's just he's crushing it every every single season and it's the i think there's you know and i think i you know he knows this too i i I tell him i know how you you know you play the way you play and it's just so successful because like he, he just flies with fab and he just mm-hmm. like dropping guys he paid a lot for and he's stashing and but he's pulling it out and he's he's money and um, he's got it man I mean, he's got yeah. i mean this i mean he'll he'll tell us if he was on here for three or four years in a row now um i mean he's got it down to a science yeah yeah and i think maybe there is something to paying attention to the overall throughout the whole season and not looking at standings until yeah. july or august like you know we're saying could Maybe he's just chipping, yeah. like constantly looking at, it, and it can constantly help you get to that goal, that, you know. And that's how, yeah, and that's kind of how it's been, you know, for me the last couple of years. I've been able to win a couple of OCs the last few years, second and a, you know, second and another. Had one where I just missed cashing, but it's I haven't had a chance to really get up in there because I'm so focused. Like, geez, I got to win the league because they only it only pays the top two. It's a pretty big drop off from first to second. So I'm just like, yep. let's, you know, let, let's let's get this league under wraps. I mean, there's been the my league last yeah my league last year uh that i finished second in um dustin mccomas he he won the league uh but we were coming down to the last like two or three days and i couldn't like could you imagine like i couldn't couldn't even imagine like what steve and bob and i'm sure other people have had to go through this too like i gotta win the it's like two or three days left in the league screw the overall i gotta win the damn league you know but yeah 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 it's pretty cool man it's uh it's all fun stuff i love this stuff it's great um it was awesome having you on man thank you for coming on and um chatting we're gonna have to meet up for another boss uh baltimore game i know you're coming to jersey too yeah i'm coming up for 
Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I told you a friend of mine just moved to yeah. just moved to Jersey. We're gonna try to start knocking out some parks. So we're gonna be at City on the uh, I think it's the fifteenth of July. I know they play the Dodgers. Whenever they play the Dodgers, it's a Saturday night. Uh, coming for that, and then we're gonna hit uh, the Phillies play the Padres. I believe we're gonna hit that Saturday or Sunday afternoon on the way back to Baltimore. So it'll be it'll Damn. be a fun weekend. But I'm looking I'm forward gonna, to. They've never I'm been to City, to so I'm looking forward to go. Yeah. Nice man, that, oh, that's fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. you're gonna love it there. Um, I'm gonna have to come and meet you at one of those. I don't know if I could do yeah, two man. of them. I got a fab. I got fab stuff to. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be it tough. That's it's gonna be tough that Sunday. Luckily, I don't. Uh, luckily, I don't think I'm driving. So maybe I can knock. Oh, nice, out nice. Yeah, 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 you can knock it out. You knock it out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's tough because um, you know it takes up a lot of our time, and you know mm-hmm. it's just sometimes there's it has to be a desire to let it go and a will to let it go. But sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, um, I feel good. I'm like, oh, I'm just shutting everything off. I'm going to relax, just mm-hmm. like go outside, take a walk. And then I won't look at it for like, you know, half a day. And the next morning I'm like, I feel so behind, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you feel like you missed something, you know, but that, uh, you know, just, uh, and the discord is great for that too, because everyone's just pumping yeah. in information, yeah. um, left and right, you know, so you, kind of okay without you know you can tune out for a little bit the i will say that uh, something great about the pitch clock is i'm usually someone that's like i'm I'm not i'm not staying up late especially during the week i just i'm i guess i'm getting too old but the great thing with the pitch clock is i mean half these games are done you know by 9 30 eastern time and that's like oh i can just (laughs) just kind of kick back i'm not gonna have to worry about like there's maybe one or two games that i'm gonna miss what happened overnight and have to worry about if something major happened overnight Right, you know, so. right, a hundred, a hundred percent. I've noticed that too. The, yeah. Yeah. the morning uh, live scoring check or the standings yeah. check doesn't change as much now. Uh, it's yeah. like, like you said, it's not, you know, seven games that are like oh, going yeah. on after you go to bed. And they, yeah. the pitch clock is not for that too because it's like, all right, you know, planning out the night. I'm like, all right, I'm going to eat dinner. I'm going to take dogs for a walk. You know, like I'll, I'll settle down. Um, and I'm like, I'm like getting to the point where I'm gonna sit down and watch baseball. I'm like, fucking games in the seventh inning already. <laughs> I missed it. Yeah, I some of these like, I think it's uh, I know the Orioles have done it a couple times this year, and it's really thrown me off. Where they started like 6:40. I know Cleveland's done that for a long time. Cincinnati does that. Uh, I think the for whatever reason the Marlins they play in a dome, but they did that tonight. They started like 6:40 Eastern time. I don't know where that came from, but hell, those games are done. It you know it's not even nine o'clock yet, and some of those games are done 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 soon yeah which Very which is early. great I can, which is great i can actually maybe have you know like watch something it, my my wife's been a big into into reading this year she's trying to read 100 books this year so there's not like a lot of shows books? or movies yeah she's she's killing it she's a 50 uh, she would be mad at me if she knew i didn't know the exact number but it's like 52 53 something like that that's really um, impressive yeah yeah she's killing it but it's not like you know, got time to like watch movies and like really focus on a movie and show and not have my iPad sitting on my lap, like checking box scores and shit. So, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Sometimes like I'll, me and my wife will sit down and watch a movie and be like, I feel like I'm just like wasting time right now with this. Like it's just wasting my brain space or <laughs> it could just be like, you know, adding some value to my life, getting my fantasy game yeah. better or just watching yeah. baseball because I enjoy it. Not watching yep. some random movie. Um, yeah. I just think there's way, way less time for that. I really haven't had time to uh, dive into too much TV. The Righteous Gemstones are back though on HBO and I love that show. Mm. So, and um 
what am I watching now? I'm watching Dear Mama. It's the Tupac, uh, the Tupac documentary about him. Like, okay, I, I did hear about that. I haven't watched on it FX. Yet. It's yeah. outstanding. I'm okay. I mean, I know a lot about Tupac as is. Uh, I followed his life closely. Um, I love just a fan of his art. Never mind his music, just his brilliance. And um, I didn't realize how much his mother uh, did in in terms of you know what she accomplished in her life. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive. And and the show highlights a lot of that because it shows how she what she did influenced Tupac. And the show has been it's really well put together. It it I should have been. I mean, there's only five episodes, and it came out so long ago. And I'm just trudging through it. I just finished episode mm-hmm. three. The other morning and it's a really really good show like um like i said um, i didn't know that his mother was responsible for introducing the hospital bill of rights um for when we all go into the hospital and are have established rights as as patients mm. she she did oh, that wow. uh, yeah as part of the uh you know being a black panther but she was just like they went into hospitals to help other people get care and she like demanded this done and she got it done and it was because of her and i was like that's googling awesome. it like googling it too i'm like is this real like you know obviously they're putting on a tv show like you don't want to be wrong but <laughs> i was be. like yeah. i was like oh my god this is this is fascinating you know yeah, that's what that's wild yeah pretty cool yeah. but all right man but, tell everyone where they can find you on twitter if they if you want them to find you and um yeah whatever yeah i'm at uh at randy haynes 22 and uh this was great this was great rob thanks for having me on but uh 100 man been a blast. Luck. we could go another hour but absolutely got, good luck the rest of the way yeah. and uh i'll see i'll see you when you come uh come into town yeah man can't cool, wait man. all right all right everyone thanks for tuning in to another episode of the poor hitter podcast i'm rob d deadpool hitter you can find me on twitter at deadpool hitter catch the launch angle pod as well with jeff Zimmerman and rob silver and come check out the pull hitter patreon you have a free trial on patreon for a week to the entry tier five bucks you come in you get the launch angle podcast you get every single podcast i do and that's here pretty much about six or seven per week and um thank you for leading a rating review if you've done that really appreciate the time you're doing that and i'll check you next week